Welcome to Gateway Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Gateway Church Doncaster in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information about Gateway Church, please visit our website, gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk. Thank you for listening. We've heard from God this morning. We've heard how He is our provider. We've heard that He has plans for us, plans and purposes as part of the body. And what I'm going to look at today is God's overall plan, God bringing deliverance. Now, people hear the term deliverance and instantly think, ha deliverance, casting out of demons. But that's not what it entails. God's deliverance has a much broader meaning and a much deeper significance for us. The actual word deliverance is only used 11 times in the ESV translation and only once in the New Testament and that's when Paul refers to being delivered out of imprisonment. If you think of deliverance, probably the first word that may come to mind is being rescued, being delivered from something. Being rescued out of a situation that involves grave danger to us. It's actually being taken out of an impossible situation that we don't have the power to get out of ourselves. We need someone to deliver us. And in the Bible, deliverance conveys that overall picture of salvation through the hand of our loving and powerful God. It's the full impact of Jesus' death and his resurrection applied and outworked in our lives. In fact, the word deliver and deliverer are used much more frequently in the Bible than the word deliverance. Our English language is not very rich. We don't have a huge range of words. When things are translated in the Bible, we often get the same word every time. But actually in the Bible, there are 35 Old Testament words and 12 different New Testament words, which get translated in our Bibles just into that one word, deliver. They have a nuance of meaning that gets lost in our translation. So I'm going to look at a couple of those first. And then we'll go on to look at God's overall plan. And apologies in advance for any mispronunciations of Hebrew or Greek words. (laughs) Three main Hebrew words in the Old Testament are Nat-Sal, Halat, and Yasha. So looking at Nat-Sal first, it can be translated in English... Um, to snatch, to take away, meaning to snatch out of danger, to sort of out of the teeth of defeat, actually snatched out. It's often used of physical deliverance from something. For example, God says in Exodus um, chapter 3, I have come down to deliver Israel, to snatch them out of Egypt, to take them out of Egypt, to deliver them. And he rescued them in a really dramatic way out of that bondage that they were in. But Natsal can also be used to mean spiritual deliverance. And you find it often in the Psalms. David writes, Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. That's in Psalm 51 after Nathan's come and confronted him about his adultery and the murder that he's committed. Deliver me 
from blood guiltiness, from that sin that I have committed. You get the same thing in Psalm 69. There's an Israelite who's suffering from the wrongs that he's done, and then to add to that has enemies piling in on him. And he cries out, deliver me from sinking in the mire. That's not a literal mire, that's a spiritual mire that he's sinking in. Deliver me, Lord. And this happens in various other psalms. It's very much spiritual deliverance where you find this word in the psalms. So rescuing the sinner from judgment, from sin. Palat, the second word, again in our English language just gets translated as to save or deliver. It's actually only found in the poetry of the Old Testament, the Psalms and some of the other areas where we find poetry. And it means actually to carry away safely. Not that snatching out, but to carry away safely. So in Psalm 18, you see, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my carrier away out of danger, out of sin. My God, my strength in whom I will trust. And David has his song of deliverance in 2 Samuel, using more or less the same wording as that psalm. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, carrying me out from underneath everything. The final word, yasha, is actually the most common word in the Old Testament. And it's translated in English as deliver or save, sometimes rescue. Most often, the word save. Um, I'll give you one example of Yasha, which is in 2 Chronicles. <coughs> when I've had a drink. <coughs> right, in 2 Chronicles, Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah are gathered together to seek help from the Lord. They're threatened by the Moabites, the Ammonites, and a few other ites all coming in on them. <coughs> in 2 Chronicles 20, it says, speaking to God, their prayer, Should evil come upon us, the sword, or judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you and cry to you in our distress, and you will hear and deliver us. You will save us. And actually, if you look a bit further at the word Yasha, the derivative of that is Yeshua, which is Jesus, our Saviour, the Lord is salvation. That's the root of that word. So these three words carry the same idea, a rescue, a dramatic deliverance, um, someone being taken out of a dangerous situation in which they don't have overall control. But whenever those words are used in the Old Testament, we have... God as the deliverer, man the delivered, God the rescuer, man the rescued. So that's this concept in the Old Testament, runs right throughout it. God the deliverer, man the delivered, and God the one who provides the plan of deliverance. Philippa quoted at the beginning of our worship, I know the plans I have for you. God's plan of deliverance for us. <coughs> when you come into the New Testament, nothing changes. We just have a change of language. 
And the familiar word in the New Testament that's used and translated as deliver is sozo. Mostly translated as save and saved this time rather than deliver. It can mean a physical rescue again. Um, a actual rescue of a person from a dangerous earthly situation. But most often in the New Testament it's to do with spiritual danger and deliverance of a spiritual nature. And it's actually there in the very first chapter of the New Testament in Matthew 1. Talking about Mary. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save, sozo, save his people from their sins. There's one other New Testament word which is rumai and that's only used about 18 times in the New Testament. It again is translated as deliver or save, but actually means that snatching, but not just snatching out of danger, but snatching and drawing to oneself, away from an enemy and into safety. And that's used in Colossians 1:13. The Father has delivered and drawn us to himself out of the control and dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. So the father is <coughs> the father has delivered and drawn us to himself. He's not just taken us out of situation. He's drawn us to himself to that kingdom of his son. This is this great picture of our God as a deliverer. He drew us out of Satan's kingdom to himself and that event was the new birth. So we're not gradually and progressively and slowly delivered from Satan's power. When we place our faith in Christ we are instantly delivered. I can't do that but Rumi emphasizes greatness of peril from which deliverance is given by a mighty act of power. So there's a real, real danger, great peril. And it takes a mighty act of power to deliver us. And we all use the translation of this word quite often. Matthew 6. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver, Rumai, deliver us from evil. And that's a powerful prayer when we pray that. Deliver us from greatness of peril by a mighty act of power. Deliver us. As I said earlier, there are at least 35 Old Testament words and 12 New Testament words with this translation of deliver. And we've looked at the translation in a bit of detail. I want to go further into the meaning now. There can be four main areas of meaning of these words. To deliver out of the hands of, to escape. To draw someone to oneself, that was Rumai. To deliver into the hands of someone or something for the purpose of judgment. And finally, to have ample space between oneself and one's enemies. we look at these four areas in a bit more detail, we should get a more comprehensive understanding of what the Bible means 
by God's deliverance. So the first meaning was to deliver out of the hands of and to escape. And we've looked at that earlier in Exodus when God delivers Israel from Egypt. And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake. All the hardship that had befallen them on the journey. And how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced over all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel. In delivering them from the hand of the Egyptians. So Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians. And from the hand of Pharaoh. And who delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. They understood this deliverance. Out of the hands of to escape. And you see this as a theme running through the whole Old Testament. In the book of Judges, Israel is saved from the hostile nations coming against them. God raised up a series of judges, all of whom saved or delivered Israel from their enemies. And in actual fact, the word translated judges can also be translated deliverers. We see again in the Old Testament, David and Goliath. David talks about the Lord who delivered me from the poor of lion and from the poor of the bear. He will deliver me from the Philistines. You see this carried on through um, examples in Ezra and Nehemiah after they've gone into captivity. Uh, You see deliverance of Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Daniel in the lion's den. You can follow this theme right through the Old Testament. So that's delivering out of the hands of and escaping from something. The second meaning, that drawing to oneself. We looked earlier at Colossians, where the word rumai was used, and the Father has delivered and drawn us to himself. God's motive in all of this is his desire to fellowship with us. He set his unfathomable love upon us and he wants to fellowship with us, to be alongside us, to draw us to himself. In Exodus 19, the same thing is said. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. So God has drawn us to him. Third meaning is this deliverance into the hands of someone or thing for the purpose of judgment. We see this when God brings his people into confrontation with their enemies so that they can then defeat them in battle. The Old Testament picture of Israel defying the Canaanite nations is actually typified in the New Testament by our battle against the powers of darkness and the ongoing influence of this worldly system that we're in. We're brought into confrontation with our enemies so that we can then defeat them. God promised Israel in Exodus, I will fix your boundary from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines and from the wilderness to the river Euphrates. For I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand and you will drive them out before you. God's not just supplying this land ready and vacant for the Israelites. He's actually 
delivering the inhabitants into their hands that they then drive them out and possess the land fully. This aspect of deliverance really requires the believer to be equipped by God. The Israelites were equipped with physical weapons. We have spiritual weapons of warfare. God supplies the power to defeat the enemy once we supply the faith. Giving you an example of faith in the Old Testament, Gideon had 32,000 men in his army to fight against the Midianites. And in Judges 7, the Lord says to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel boast about themselves against me, saying, My own hand has delivered me. He's saying there, he wants them to have faith in him to do the deliverance, not just in their mighty numbers. You can read the whole story in Judges 7, but basically God whittled that 32,000 men down to 300. And then they routed the Midianites just using trumpets and pitchers with lights in, clay jars with lights in. They didn't use all those weapons, physical weapons. They had faith in God to do the deed with them and for them. David, when he comes against Goliath, doesn't come, he's given all Saul's armour and it's miles too big. He doesn't come against Goliath with that, but with a slingshot and stones. Because he has faith that the God who delivered him from that bear, from that lion, will deliver him that day from Goliath. There are, unfortunately, plenty of instances in the Old Testament where God's people stopped relying on him and things went badly wrong. Asa was the king of Judah, and in 2 Chronicles, chapters 14 to 16, you can see the description of a reign that begins really well, but ends really badly. Trusting God and obedience to the words of the prophets give way to dependence on human alliances and rejection of the words of the prophets. Who's seen the bracelets? that have frog on them. What's it stand for? Thank you. Fully reliant, fully rely on God. And that applies to us today as much as it did to the champions of the Old Testament. Fully rely on God. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 10, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We're not waging a fleshly battle, but a spiritual one. And the weapons of Paul's and our warfare are not physical weapons, but spiritual ones. Prayer, the word of God, faith, the power of the Holy Spirit. So when our enemies are delivered into our hands, that is for judgment, to defeat them. We've got the chess game that Bob brought to us. We're in that game now where our enemies are being delivered into our hands and we need to come against them in the power of God and defeat them. 
And the fourth meaning that I refer to of deliverance is actually ample space between oneself and one enemy, one's enemies. You don't want the enemies sort of camped on your doorstep threatening you every day. You want space between you and them. And actually that's the end result and the goal of God's plan of deliverance. So that the enemies do not come back and harass and press in again and endanger us. We get the meaning in Psalms of this term of deliverance. Psalm 31 verse 8. You have not given me into the hand of the enemy, but you have set my feet in a broad place. In Psalm 118, out of my distress I called upon the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free and in a large place. So finally, to have space between oneself and one's enemies. So that's to escape and be delivered out of the hands of something be rescued and drawn into the presence of, to confront and defeat our enemies, they are delivered into our hands, and to have ample space finally between ourselves and our enemies. So God's plan of deliverance, to be removed by God from the hand of the enemy and be drawn close to himself from which position God places us in confrontation with the enemy on his own terms in order for us to gain victory and defeat the enemy and to gain experience from oppression in an ample and secure place I'll read that again slowly God's plan of deliverance for all of us is to be removed by God from the hand of the enemy to be drawn close to himself from which position then close to himself God places us in confrontation with the enemy but on God's terms in order for us to gain victory and defeat the enemy And then, finally, to experience freedom from oppression in an ample and secure place. God's plan for each and every one of us. Now all of this occurs for us as Christians through the work of Jesus on the cross. He broke the hold of Satan on our lives, brought us close to himself. He gave us authority to take the battle to the enemy And the power in his name to vanquish the enemy. This deliverance is available to everyone. The basics of the good news are as follows. Everyone's done wrong. God calls this sin. God hates sin. Sin must be punished. And the punishment is death. Jesus came and took the punishment instead of us on the cross. We need to admit that we have sinned. We need to believe that Jesus took our punishment. We need to say sorry to God. We need to ask God to be in charge of our lives. 
We need to be baptized and we need to receive the Holy Spirit. Those are the steps that we need to take hold of our deliverance. In the past, you were dead because you sinned and fought against God. You followed the ways of this world and obeyed the devil. He rules the world and his spirit has power over everyone who doesn't obey God. (coughs) Once we were also ruled by the selfish desires of our bodies and minds. We had made God angry and we were going to be punished like everyone else. But God was merciful. We were dead because of our sins. But God loved us so much that he made us alive with Christ. And God's wonderful kindness is what saves you. God has raised us from death to life with Christ Jesus. And he has given us a place besides Christ in heaven. So, what does God's plan of deliverance mean for us today? It's the essence of our salvation, not just a feature of it. We're delivered from the penalty of sin. We're delivered from the power of sin. And we shall also be delivered from the presence of sin. We're delivered (coughs) instantly from the penalty of sin by accepting Jesus' death upon the cross. That he died for us. We are delivered from the power of sin, again, instantly on the cross. And we have the promise that we will be delivered from the presence of sin. The problem with the delivery from the power of sin is that sometimes it doesn't quite feel like that's happened. It has happened, it happens instantly. But sometimes we have to work out our deliverance simply with God walking through the trials that come by our side. There are enemies that we do need to defeat even though the final victory is ours because Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. But sometimes we walk through those trials with God by our side. And Spurgeon writes about this titled, Whom, When, and How to Deliver. And he says, The godly attempted and tried. That is not true faith which is never put to the test. But the godly are delivered out of their trials, and that not by chance, nor by secondary agencies, but by the Lord himself. He personally undertakes the office of delivering those who trust him. God loves the godly and he makes a point of knowing where they are and how they fare. Sometimes their way seems to be a labyrinth and they cannot imagine how they are to escape from threatening danger. What they do not know, their Lord knows. He knows whom to deliver, and when to deliver, and how to deliver. He delivers in the way that is most beneficial to the godly, most crushing to the tempter, and most glorifying to himself. 
we may leave the how with the Lord and be content to rejoice in the fact that he will, in some way or other, bring his own people through all the dangers, trials and temptations of this mortal life to his own right hand in glory. This day it is not for me to pry into my Lord's secrets, but patiently to wait his time, knowing this, that though I know nothing, my Heavenly Father knows. He knows when and whom and how to deliver. Now a brief word about what's commonly termed deliverance ministry. We may need to be set free from the influence of evil spirits. But it is important to understand that we, as believers, already have that eternal victory over Satan and his demons. We can defend ourselves with the shield of faith, because we walk by faith and not by sight. And we can use the offensive weapon of the word of God. We hold up this shield of faith and we extinguish those flaming arrows that come to us. Doubt, guilt, jealousy, all manner of temptations. So we can extinguish those flames and with the sword of the spirit we can overcome the evil one. If you don't know how to do that, then read Matthew 4. Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. See how he uses the word of God against the tempter. There are different degrees of oppression. It's often made plain in the Gospels. Sometimes we need others to come alongside us and intercede for us. Stand in the gap. Bear our burdens when the burden is too heavy to bear. But that doesn't negate the fact that we are all responsible for carrying our own shield and sword and using them. So, we're delivered from the penalty of sin. We are delivered from the power of sin. Takes some time to see it's outworking. The final part is the delivery from the presence of sin. While we continue to pray, deliver us from evil, we have a promise that we will see that final third part of God's deliverance. We will experience freedom from oppression in an ample and secure place. 2 Peter 2, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly from trials to bring us into that broad and ample place. So, what do you need from God's plan of deliverance today? Do you need deliverance out of a strange land? Do you need to be drawn close to God? Are you in confrontation with the enemy? Because you are there on God's terms and he will give you the victory. Do you need to experience freedom from oppression? Come into that ample and secure place. Come to me all who labour and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. By the work of Jesus on the cross the enemy's power has been broken. It is finished. God is the deliverer. Man the delivered.
God provides the plan of deliverance through Jesus Christ. And this Jesus is the same yesterday, and today, and forever. So what are you waiting for? Come and ask him for the deliverance you need. It's there waiting for you to take hold of. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to visit gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk 